Welcome to the One Life Podcast, where we have rare but vital conversations about Jesus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the One Life Podcast. One Life is a startup church here in Nashville, Tennessee. Our mission is to build extended families of disciples that live on mission together. My name is Tiffany Ketchum, and here with me is my husband and co-host, Tim Ketchum. There can be miracles <laughs> if you believe. You already used that one. Sorry. But it wasn't at the beginning, so. <laughs> hey, at least it's, uh, at least it's mo- different. moving beyond Let My People Go. That's right. <laughs> you know, I'd do a short commercial here. Okay. <laughs> you know, I always, I keep saying the the setup, the, hey, welcome to the One Life Podcast and all that. But yeah, I just want to say, hey, if you're interested in One Life, uh, we're here in Nashville, Antioch, Tennessee area. So if you're interested in what we're doing, if you live in this area, or if you're just interested in partnering or praying with us, then shoot us an email or a message. Yeah, we'd love to chat with you about it. And now, back to our regular program. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so this is... I just have said that for like a year and never said anything else. Okay, I I bet that felt good, didn't it? Well, I just thought, well, maybe I should like put out an invitation if you're interested in talking with us. I'm so glad you did that. (laughs) To hear more about what we're doing. (laughs) Way to go. So yeah, we're on episode 68 and we were in Exodus 12 last week and Tim, you kind of set up, this is kind of a at least a two-parter. Do you want to do a recap? Yeah, so I came in kind of hot on the last episode. Ooh. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not coming in hot on this one. But we essentially talked about how Passover was a time in which God changed the calendar because it was sort of like a, a birthday for Israel. It was a new beginning, and it was so monumental that God said, we, we're just going to forever change the calendar on this. And... You know, one of the ways that Passover functioned was it allowed Israel the opportunity to identify themselves with Yahweh in his battle against the gods, and specifically the god Amun-Ra, who had a son who had the symbol of a moon. And so they performed Passover on the 14th of the month, which is when the, you know, there's a full moon, and... It's really a declaration that we are siding with Yahweh. We are identifying as Israelites, and it's a it's a it's a moment of distinction for Israel, and it's also a moment of distinction for Egypt. And you know what's kind of interesting is that after the firstborn are killed, I want to say it's the first time on the lips of Pharaoh that Pharaoh says. He makes a distinction with his own mouth. He says, my people and your people, the children of Israel. God finally has been able to get Pharaoh to acknowledge these are not my people. They are the children of Israel, and their God is Yahweh, and they belong to him. And he does let them go. But then, of course, if you know the story, he goes after him later. <laughs> he has not buyer's remorse, but... 
releaser's remorse yeah uh, releaser's remorse yeah (laughs) it's like wait what am i doing okay so that's uh the setup from last week and how does this relate to jesus (laughs) i was getting kind of lost there (laughs) one getting off track so what's interesting is in in the gospel of john most commentators have recognized that passover plays a central role in the gospel of john it gets brought up multiple times, and then Jesus is even, in some ways, he's being presented as the Passover lamb at his death because of the time of day in which Jesus dies on the cross. But what's really interesting is that this concept of the Passover shows up in a very familiar story of Jesus talking with Nicodemus. And so we're going we're gonna to start off in John chapter 2, and based on what we've kind of looked at in our previous episode— we're going to draw some implications from Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. And it, it really does kind of highlight why Jesus says at the end of his conversation, wait, you're a ruler of Israel and you don't know these things? He's thinking, dude, we're celebrating Passover, the birthday of Israel, and I'm talking to you about being born again. You don't get it? Are, are you that? on a different wavelength like what's what's going on you know so so Jesus is being kind of critical of him because they're celebrating the very thing that's supposed to be teaching serving as an object lesson for Nicodemus on what Jesus is talking about so we're going to start in John 2 verse 23 correct now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast at the Passover <laughs> hint hint <laughs> the Passover festival many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. Okay, I I wanted to, I guess, draw a parallel here between what's going on with Jesus and the people and what was going on with the Egyptians and Moses. Essentially, Moses had gotten a great level of respect among the Egyptians, because of the signs that were being performed by God through him. And this caused the people to respect him. And potentially, it eventually led some of those very same people to celebrate the Passover and end up leaving with Israel out of the land of Egypt. Now, what's interesting here is that Jesus is performing signs during Passover and the people are starting to respect him, to believe in him. And so in that way, there's a little bit of a parallel here that there's some, uh, you know, there's some trust and faith being built in Jesus as a performer of signs. And so, you know, the writer of John could be kind of drawing some, you know, connections for us here uh, leading up to this story with Nicodemus. Okay, chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Okay, let's, let's pause right there real quick. Uh, there, there's a play on words here because the word Nicodemus actually comes from the word Nike, which means victor or ruler. And then uh, Demas, which is where we get our term de- demographic from, which is people. And so he's called a ruler of the Jews, but it's actually a play on his name that he's a ruler of the Jews. 
There's some thick irony that's about to come out with that. Verse 2. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Okay, now I want you to contrast Nicodemus with the Israelites celebrating Passover. When did the Israelites have to kill the lamb and put the blood on their doorpost? They had to do it in their neighborhood during broad daylight. In the afternoon. And it's potentially when the sun was at its highest in the heat of the day, the most amount of daylight, no shadows. The sun is directly overhead. Okay. Well, notice when Nicodemus is coming to Jesus at night. He doesn't have the courage to approach Jesus during the day. And if, if you know the story of Passover, you're immediately picking up on these hints that Nicodemus is acting like he is not a member of Israel, and yet he is a ruler of Israel. He is not willing to identify himself in public with Jesus the Israelite, and yet he actually believes that Jesus has come from God. And so the, the implications are is that if, if Nicodemus was living back during the time of the Exodus, he may not have gone out and killed that lamb in front of the Egyptians. He was fearful. He was afraid to come out in public and identify himself with Jesus. And so he, he's struggling with his faith and his trust in Jesus. He knows there's something there, but he's not quite at that stage where he's willing to go public with it. Now, at the end of the gospel, you see some growth and progression in him because he's the one who goes and helps get Jesus's body, uh, have a proper burial. And so in that sense, he does start to identify himself with Jesus, but only in his death. Even that is, if you know the story of Passover, it's a little bit of a theatrical, throwing some hints out there that Nicodemus is now identifying himself with the Passover lamb by getting close to Jesus at his death, and he's doing it in a public way. And so there is kind of like a contrast here in Nicodemus's growth and development in identifying with the Passover lamb. But at this stage, he, he is like an unbelieving Israelite. And so I, I think it's kind of important to, you know, to, to draw that connection out. Okay, keep reading. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Ooh, a little bit of a 
jab there, a Jesus. <laughs> a little bit of a sting. <laughs> or if we're thinking about it in terms of uh, the Passover, a little bit of a stab. <laughs> oh, come on. That was funny. <laughs> Um, okay, ba- uh, back on track here. Okay, so Passover is a birthday, and here Jesus is talking to a teacher and ruler of Israel about being born again. And this is something that Nicodemus should be making the connections on. He's schooled in Passover. He knows what Passover is about. He knows that that's the beginning of the year. And essentially what he's saying is that, you know, Nicodemus... In the same way that an Israelite had to come to a point of faith, an internal conviction, an internal point of transformation to participate with God in overcoming the forces of evil. In other words, God ruling over the forces of evil, and that's why he brings up the kingdom of God, because in the story of the Passover, Israel is enslaved to the kingdom of evil, the kingdom of Pharaoh. And in order to actually be born again, to be released from that kingdom, they're, they're to, in order to enter the kingdom of God or see the kingdom of God, there's got to be a transformation. And that's essentially what Passover was about. It was about a transformation in Israel of joining up with Yahweh in a public way. And so this particular kind of transformation that Jesus is talking about is being born of the water and the Spirit. And the transformation he's calling for is something that is deeply internal. And it eventually leads you to do things that are unpredictable. And so, you know, this idea of being born of the Spirit is very much an idea of a a change happening at the very core of your being. That there's something in your spirit that gets united with the Holy Spirit, and then there's this change that happens where it looks like a new life is actually coming into being. And this could be potentially in you know uh, a little bit insulting for Nicodemus, because he's thinking, "Hey, I'm already an Israelite." I'm, I'm already on the right team. And Jesus is saying, well, an Israelite back during Passover could have said that. Well, of course we're Israelite. We live in Goshen. The plagues have not touched us. And yet there's another step. There's another thing that you need to enter into in order to experience the liberating power of God. And that's going to require a rebirthing just like Israel had to experience a rebirthing, even though they had been sheltered from, you know, the plagues and whatnot. And in one sense, Nicodemus is a representative of Israel, an unbelieving Israelite during the time of Passover. And Jesus himself is being somewhat situated here as the Passover lamb. And his relationship with Jesus uh, throughout the gospel is this unfolding, progressive development and faith in being able to publicly identify himself with Jesus in the same way that the Israelites identified themselves with the Lamb. There's a lot going on here in this story. If we were to kind of draw out sort of like the basic gist of what Jesus is doing here, 
he's basically saying, look, you can't rely on this inherited status that you've received from your ancestors or from even from your religious observances. There has to be a deep internal transformation. And that's really how the kingdom of God comes, is it comes when you start participating and identifying with uh, the work that God actually wants to do in you, in your being. And that's how the freedom comes. That's right. The deliverance. That's right. Because in in this particular story, you know, we're, we'll get into this in a future episode, not, you know, anytime soon. But earlier on in chapter two of what we read, it says that Jesus did not need anyone to testify of him because he knew what was in human beings. In other words, there's something in our human nature that enslaves us and that eventually kills us. And Jesus came to set us free from that. He, he says, I want to reset the calendar. I want to give you a new start. I want to take you out of the bondage to the forces that are actually in your own human nature. And I want to transform you so that you actually become a new person. That's a work that only Jesus can do. Only he can overcome those forces that enslave us. That's good. So we too can step into the kingdom of God. We too can be delivered from our flesh and born again in the spirit. But we do have to choose to participate with Jesus in that process. Well, we've basically passed over all the material that we wanted to cover here, so I think we're ready to end the podcast. (laughs) No, you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, let's end it. Okay. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time.